You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. For the next hour, you're listening to the Classic Auto Mall show and podcast. Broadcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Classic Auto Mall is a world-class facility conveniently located just an hour west of Philadelphia and houses 600 classic cars for sale and 300 barn finds on display. Be sure to check out more at ClassicAutoMall.com. Now on to the show with our host, President of Classic Auto Mall, Stuart Howden. And good morning, listeners, and good morning, all. Steve, Jr. how's everybody this morning? We're good. We're good. we got a tornado watch here in lovely downtown, beautiful Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Nice. So. It kind of resembles Kansas to begin with. So. Yeah. I just got out of the Midwest. I'm from Missouri. See, I say that wrong. My wife says Missouri. it should be Missouri. <clears throat> and, of course, I call it Missouri because I'm a hillbilly. But uh, anyway. It's not misery? It's not. Well, it's that, too. <laughs> I spent 20 years in the witness protection program in Missouri. So, um, and, and, of course, on top of all this chaos with the weather today, my grandkids are here, and if you haven't experienced a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old in your house, and you're used to nice and silent and quiet, and yeah, that's not the way it is. And they love cars. Uh-huh. Uh, our little grandson, Lincoln, and our little grandson, Logan, are car guys, and they have been from day one. So they're – and it's not forced upon them, although, you know, I do push them in that direction and buy a lot of Hot Wheels for them. Nice. But, but – um but it's, but they just love cars and they're here and they're going absolutely crazy seeing 900 plus cars here. And of course the Batmobile and the Flintstone mobile are, you know, high up on their list. Uh, and, uh, they, they just can't believe that they're seeing the Batmobile. Yeah. I just, saw them running around. They're very excited. They're excited as I think I gave them too much sugar this morning. <laughs> are you supposed to give kids candy in the morning or is not that... before bringing them to the classic auto mall? <laughs> but you know what they do know how to do? They need know how to put their hands behind nice. the back as the perp walk or as the <laughs> keep your hands off the car walk. So, uh, they do a good job of it. And we, we want to encourage them to, you know, be respectful around cars like we do for all kids kids that visit us and we love having families and kids come and visit us and and pass it on from generation mm-hmm. to generation that's what it's all about but they have to be respectful of the cars and of course dave kenny our friend from uh, haggerty uh, price guide uh, is a firm believer that you know kids should be able to get into cars and and explore the cars and understand how to get in and out of a car that's got a long uh, a wide sill mm-hmm. or different things like that and and that's great and i'm i'm with him 100% but you can't do it without the owner's permission <laughs> that's right. just they're got to make sure that you get the okay from the owner and that's you know we have 900 plus owners in here in the building right. so we want to make sure that that uh, we we don't do something that would make anybody upset. So, uh, thanks to the Pat Travers Band for our theme song. And uh, man, oh man, oh man, inventory nine hundred and fifteen as of today. Nine. Who we were nine seventeen last week, so we're know. holding steady. But cars yeah, are coming and cars going. Cars are coming and going. There, a couple of them had been taken out to do some uh, work on them. We got a couple getting ready for the auction that we're doing September the fifteenth. That we'll talk about uh, here shortly. And uh, we've got some great events coming up here soon. We've got the this weekend, uh, which will be last week. We need- when you're listening to this, uh, is Pastor Weed's, uh, Chariots of Fire car show. Hopefully the weather is going to be better tomorrow than it is today. And then Sunday morning is the supercar gathering. There'll be about 500 Lamborghinis and Ferraris and McLarens and Porsches and BMWs and they all be lined up in the parking lot and they drive uh, from here down to, um, some place that's mm-hmm. not from here. I can Yeah, where do they go? Lower Bucks or something? Warminster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Warminster, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have no idea where that is, but Oh, it's just <laughs> just south of Warrington. 
I have no idea where that is. So <laughs> just just east of Doylestown. Okay, again, quit trying to stump me. I've only been here five years. What do you expect me to know? My way around? Yeah. Goodness, half your collectors are in Bucks County. So. Well, that's very true. So there's a lot of collectors in Bucks County. Um, man, some of the new inventory we got. Did you see the 28 LaSalle uh, Series 303 Sport Phaeton? Now this is kind of an unusual car for us. We don't we don't have as many pre-war classics mm-hmm. as say Camaros and Mustangs and and Corvettes and and Novas and Chevelles and all that. Uh, but every once in a while we get some really interesting and we got two of them from a good friend of ours, uh, 28 LaSalle, dark blue and light blue over blue. It's a CCCA full classic, which means it means that it's recognized by the Classic Car Club of America as being a full classic, which designates it as, uh, you know, one of the premier cars built in the United States prior to pre-war, we call it. And uh, it's a really amazing car. It's got a 303 cubic inch L-head V8 and a three-speed manual, and which most of those cars from that era had a three-speed mm. manual. Not many cars had a four-speed. We talked about that the other day. There mm. wasn't many that had a four-speed. And then also uh, a 1914 Rio, uh, REO Touring, uh, maroon and black over saddle. No expense spared restoration. How you, I, that's always funny to me that a guy just walks into a, a restoration shop and says, it's not about the money. It's about I want it perfect. Yeah. I just want it to be everything to be perfect and just let me know as we go how much it is. And, of course, you know, that requires a, a significant amount of money in your bank account to do that because sure. these things can be expensive to restore. And I'm not talking just pre-war big, you know, V12s and V16 cars. I mean, restore a, you know, a, a 55 Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not cheap anymore. Paint is expensive. Chrome is expensive expensive interiors are expensive labor is expensive labor is very expensive <laughs> good luck fi- and and the problem is and the, and the fear that you have when you restore a car nowadays is if a guy's not busy and can take your car tomorrow then you wonder is he the right guy right. <laughs> because why isn't he busy and you got some and, fans out here waving oh my goodness gracious there's the grandbabies hey guys <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're going to wear me out over the weekend. I'll age like 20 years this year. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, anyway, yeah, restoring a car of any type. I mean, you could take a 1940 Chrysler four door sedan and there goes the weather alert. Um, uh, okay. Don't know how to turn that off. <laughs> there you go. Sorry about that. They don't, they don't want you to turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want you to read it and find shelter. Yeah. So, um, seek shelter. Those of you who are not, I see, I see. Uh, anyway, um, so, yeah, to restore any type of car is not cheap. I mean, and again, as we said, if the, if the restorer's not backed up for a while, then that gives you a little bit of pause as well, too, as to, you know, is he, av- why is he available? Is he because he's not good or is it because he's just in between jobs or, or what is it? I know a lot of these guys don't take much new business anymore. A lot of these restoration shops. I was right. talking They're to so backed up. They're so backed up. They've got years and years and years of backed up, uh, um, you know, cars to be restored. And of course, I'm, you know, sure they take it in the pecking order, but also if you've got a good client, you know, you're not going to say, oh, I'm going to put you at the end of the uh, end of the line. So, and, and, the, and it's a craft that is limited, you know, depending on what kind of restoration you're doing. I mean, there's very few craftsmen sure. uh, who can do it. And if you're good, the downside is you get a reputation and you get backed up for years sometimes. Yeah. Well, same with a contractor and a building a house. Yeah. I mean, it's just the same exact deal. It's, it's unbelievable, you know, how far these guys are two and three and four years out. So you start thinking, man. 
And I'm not a good planner. I'm a good, like, ready, fire, aim. You yeah, know? Right. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it, to plan four years out to restore a car. I may not even be into that car again. Four exactly. years, I'm know? bored of it. Yeah, I've grown tiresome of it. Well, you see that a lot. People, like, I started a project yeah. and, it, you know, three been, years. Right. It's been years. I'm ready to, I'm yeah. ready to let, it, let it go. We've sold cars, project cars to guys here and they were like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that to it. And then three years later, they come back and it's not even halfway done. Right. And they're like, oh, I'm, I've moved on. I I don't care for this anymore. I'm ready to move on to something else. But, but the right car, of course, requires the right attention. If you've got something that's uber rare and uh, extremely valuable, then of course uh, it makes sense to do that and to wait the four years or whatever it takes to get to uh, uh, that uh, that best restorer, if you will, and be prepared to spend money. I mean, you, you, it's hard to do it on a budget, and when you try to start cutting corners when you're restoring a car, you know, and it depends on what your goal is. Is your goal to drive it? Is your goal to you know, win the best of the best awards, uh, you know, a, a Concord d'Elegance or a, uh, a you know, a, a one out of a, a thousand out of a thousand points mm-hmm. at the regional club or the, the national clubs. So it, it, you got to really understand what it is you want to do. And then once you do that, then, you know, you can make the appropriate choice on how you move forward. So, uh, but the Rio is unbelievable. No expense spared in 2017. Hello. Hello, lightning and thunder. Wow, that was right on top of us. Um, really almost near flawless paint on this car. It is just spectacular. And then, of course, the exact opposite of these two is the 1941 Willys 441 Coupe. That's the outlaw body and chassis. So it's basically a built as from scratch car. It's mm-hmm. not really wasn't a Willys to begin with. Uh, it was that you bought the frame, you bought the, the, uh, you know, the frame and chassis, you bought the, the body, uh, you bought the engine, you buy the, all the, the parts to it and make it into a car. This one's got a 427 V8 with Merlin heads, a YN supercharger, um, just an amazing car. And the Tangelo orange, uh, paint is, it's, <laughs> it's like dive in quality, you know. Yeah. Just absolutely amazing. Miles deep. Miles deep, as uh, we like to say. And it's a spectacular car. And that's some of the new inventory here. Oh, <laughs> we got a 68 Harley Davidson Serva car motorcycle in. And I got to be the one to test drive it the other Did you? day. We needed a video of it. Oh, and Garrett, nice. uh, one of our car specialists comes to me and he says, Hey, he goes, everybody keeps pointing to you as the motorcycle guy. Like, I've ridden nine miles on my Harley in a year and a half. So how am I the motorcycle guy? So these That's things nine are, miles more than me, by the way. <laughs> these things are tricky though. So first of all, you figure out how to start this thing and there's a choke and, you know, turn huh. the fuel on and all that. What you don't realize is that the throttle on these doesn't have an automatic return. Huh. So when you turn it full throttle and it, and you don't turn it back, it stays full wow. throttle. And of course I, Fired it up and then immediately, you know, it was like, Rum! Wow. like it was going to take off. Yeah. Luckily I had my foot on the brake <laughs> and, uh, was able to, uh, figure out very quickly what it was and turn it back down. But you know, it, it's like we tell people all the time, be careful jumping into a vehicle or on a motorcycle <laughs> that you're not familiar with True. because there's little quirks like that, that you don't think about until it's too late. Listen, just opening hoods in this place is a study in diversity. You know what's so embarrassing is to be on an, I've said this, be on an auction block and somebody says, Hey, open that hood. And you reach over and you're fumbling around and you're supposed to be the car guy. I know. And you can't even get the hood open on the car. Twice a a GTO got me twice back here, uh, in two weeks in a row Mm. because it is a hidden little lever. And, uh, anyway, now I know. Now you know. Now you will never forget. So anyway, the Harley Serva car. 
is really, really cool. It's a former police bike. Only got 24,000 miles on it. And, uh, it is just really amazing. 1968. And it's got the big box on the back where you can haul stuff. Ice cream. Ice cream. It reminded me of the ice cream things on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. The same type of thing. So, and it's a police bike. It's got a 750cc V twin. Uh, it's got reverse with a three speed manual tranny and the, and the shifters on the left hand side, like a, um, I don't know, you know, like a, a, like you'd be in a, a, it's almost like an Italian sports car because your right hand drive almost because the shifter's on your left. Okay. So it's just awkward because you're so used to shifting with your right hand. Uh, but anyway, a great, great uh, bike. And how about this 2018 Subaru WRX STI we got in? I hear this thing's a bad boy. Yeah, these are, these are great and they stopped making STI. So they're, <clears throat> oh, did they? They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're not making them this year and, it's beautiful, well kept, very nice. Yeah. Probably not abused like like most Some WRX. Of them are, yeah. yeah, this one's beautiful. Yeah, crystal black silica over black and oxblood. One owner with seventeen thousand miles on it, and it's got the two point five liter Boxster Turbo Four with an all wheel drive, six speed manual. Sure. Yeah, it checks all the right boxes. SPT catback exhaust. Yeah, it's an aftermarket exhaust, yeah. and uh, just for better sound. It sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, the guys were all getting excited about it when it came in. You know, I don't get to do any of that. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not complaining again, am I? But anyway, uh, I was way into into STIs, mm-hmm. and um, it's there's you know this the term boy racer, right? It kind of got the big wing on it, sure. and stuff like that, and the, and the air dams and things like that. And I think I've grown out of that, but right? They're, but they're a lot of fun to drive. A lot of fun. I had an M3 BMW. I felt the same way at boy racer, you right? Know? Right. And it was a lot of fun to drive, but it wasn't fun to drive on a regular basis. Right. Anyway, uh, when we return, we'll talk to somebody. We have a guest on the show this week. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, we need to cheer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yay. Jerry McNeese is going to be joining us when we come back from the break. Uh, if you don't, if not familiar with Jerry, he's uh, well known in the automotive world and uh, heavily involved in the event that's coming up here at Pasco Auto Mall in about a month or so. And uh, when when we return, we'll uh, we'll speak to Jerry. Talk to you soon. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studios on a wonderful, beautiful, rainy, tornadic Tornadic, is that a word? That is a word. Right. Thank you very much. Uh, I hear some thunder and lightning in the background. I hope it doesn't disturb our guest. We have a very special guest on the show this week, uh, Mr. Jerry McNeish, who is the Camaro guru and also throw in the Chevelles and the Novas for good measure and uh, is uh, very involved with an event that we've got coming up here, the Camaro Nationals, uh, in July. Good morning, Jerry. 
Good morning, Stuart. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's been, I guess, since almost this time last year since we saw you. Um, yep. You were here for the uh, inaugural to Classic Auto Mall Camaro Nationals, and wow, it turned out pretty good. Oh, yeah, that was by far probably the best event <clears throat> that we've ever done, and uh, there's been several rebirths of this show yeah starting out with the u.s camaro club and then it went to the international camaro club and then uh it became the aca club which it is now but this meet that we had last year was by far the best ever in car count judging and the quality of cars that i've seen well, I tell you what, it's amazing. You have a bunch of different levels of judging, right? I mean, you can, or, and you can come without being judged as well, right? Yeah, there's multiple classes. Um, they have everything from 5,000 point legend judging, which we do down to bow tie. They have a heartbeat class. They have a show and shine class. So basically there's something there for everyone because a lot of people that own these cars, they just want to drive them and enjoy them. Right. You know? Don't want the pressure. Then, <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, then you've got the other diehards that are so anal. They got a trailer, the car there. They got little, you know, uh, socks on the pedals so they don't get the pedals dirty and, you know, it just uh, craziness. But that's, uh, I guess what's kind of fueled the, the hobby so much is there's so many different, I guess, aspects to the way people view the cars and the hobby. Sure. Sure. Have you ever had a perfect car at the, at the show? Um, I would say very close. Uh, the one thing that we run into is we give you bonus points for certain items. Like if you've got paperwork, original paperwork, if you've got original shock absorbers, uh, things like that, yeah, you would get bonus points. But I don't think there was ever a car that scored 100%. Uh, without the bonus points. Sure, sure. We're close sure. to it, but not perfect. And what's the one thing that usually gets the guy? What's the one thing that he goes, oh, man, I forgot about that? A lot of times it happens when we do the systems check. So every car in Legends, what we do is we systems check. So you have to start the car. You have to use the directionals, horn, everything in the vehicle, the radio. If it has a rear seat speaker, that has to work too. So basically, every once in a while, we'll get a guy that, you know, he set the car up, and for whatever reason, the directional doesn't work. It's like, <laughs> damn, what am I going to do now? <laughs> oh, man, what a bummer. I mean, you know, it's one thing to lose uh, some points because you, you, know, you did something completely wrong, but just to over have overlooked something, that's got to be frustrating. Oh, yeah. And and sometimes it's just a parts failure. You might have put a new light bulb in or something like that. Sure. And, and it still failed. Well, we, we all know that there, how many times have we all driven a car, parked it in our driveway, everything was fine. You walk out the next morning, something happened. You don't know what it was. It just magically happened. And so, you know, that's yep. part of it. So um, my understanding is this is the 24th in some guys, the 24th annual uh, Camaro Nationals that you've held. How long have you been involved with it? I've been involved with the uh, organization since the late 1980s. Oh, wow. And uh, that goes back to when the hobby was really in its birth as far as the restoration end goes. And what's happened, it's very difficult. Uh, the ACA, as it's known now, that basically was developed by Carl Sheffy uh, because what happened is the International Camaro Club uh, it was it was a great club. We had a great event in the Poconos every year, and we had great judging with red, white, and blue, which is the same as Legends. But sure. what happened is all of the people uh, that you know needed to help and make the event happen just would start dropping out of it, 
And as you know, to put any kind of event on lace, you got to have the worker bees to make it happen or else it's just going to fall apart. Absolutely. And whether it's an auction or a concours or a show or whatever, it requires a ton of labor because there's lots of moving parts to all these things. And if you're not keeping on top of it, then, then you have people who have a bad experience and then that kills the show. And of course, I think everybody last year had a great experience or most people, maybe there was a few that were, but 99.99% of the people I think really loved the venue and the location. Oh, the, the venue was the best and it was really good for me because I'm an NHRA stock eliminator racer. So right. Maple Grove was right up the road. And I was just there a month ago. <laughs> Isn't that a great place? Uh, you know, talk about a hidden gem in the middle of nowhere, right? Now you, oh, no. yeah, you're, so you race a 67 Camaro, I understand? It's a 67 Z28. I knew that the, there's a good friend of mine who bought a brand new at AD Anderson Chevrolet in Baltimore. And I met him around 1970 when I started racing. And we used to race down a Capitol Raceway or 7580, which were two of the big tracks in my area. And eventually, uh, Ray Farrell was his name. He bought the car new. I have all the paperwork to the car. Wow. And he had wound up just, you know, cutting it up. He made it into a modified production car. Then he turned it into a super gas car. But when it became available in 2006, I jumped at the chance to actually restore it. Now, the original drivetrain was gone, so the next best thing to do was to make it into a stock eliminator car because the car has to be as it was right. with an original 302 engine. We're allowed to run an aftermarket transmission because the Muncie transmissions just won't hold up, sure. uh, but we have to run a 12-bolt rear. So I restored the car as a concourse restoration but just made it a competitive NHRA stocker, which, I, I mean, I... I just the fact that I have connections to this car back to when it was almost new is just kind of special for me. Sure. And and I think people listening might not always understand, oh, my God, why would you take a 67 Z28, you know, the rares to the rare, and turn it into that? But they were just cars back then. They were just the, the you know, uh, uh, it didn't matter if it was a Z28 or if it was a Corvette or whatever it is you were driving. They were just they were cars. Nobody thought about the collectability or about no. the numbers matching or any of that. No, that's so true, and this really held true with a lot of the racers, like the the big-time racers out of Pennsylvania, Jerry Stahl, Bill Jenkins, Dave Strickler, all these guys. Uh, they basically kept a race car for, you know, one or two years, and then they just say, okay, we're going to wait for the next year model to come out, and that's right. what they did. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, of course, you know, in hindsight, but uh, the good news is, is those race cars in the past, let's say 10 years have really come into their own in value. You know, it used to be that a race car you couldn't hardly give away at an auction or a retail sale. Now they're really starting to achieve value that we would hope that they had done. Oh, yeah. One of the biggest phenomenons to me was uh, the uh, it was a 70 LS6 convertible that was driven by Ray Allen, and he won the world championship with that car. That car was undefeated in every national event. Won the world championship, and they brought it to Barrett-Jackson. Oh, I'm going to say that's probably been 12, 15 years ago, and it did $1.3 million on the block. We were all I mean, shocked. <laughs> which was it. But, you know, it's because of the history. And, you know, anyone that knew NHRA racing, any kind of vintage race car today is is worth their weight in gold. They, sure. they really are. If you can prove the provenance and come up with paperwork or articles, I mean, that just makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. When did you first realize that provenance and paperwork and numbers matching meant something. Is that uh, was that an aha moment for you? It was. It was. Uh, it just kind of evolved. I would say probably in the 1990s. 
because before we had the ACA, we did the International Camaro Show in the Poconos, and what we, we, we looked at the drivetrain. When this red, white, and blue, which is Legends, was created, it was done to you know work on a five thousand point system, but it also you had to be very anal about the date codes, the drivetrain. The the drivetrain had to be original to the car, or you wouldn't score well. So I would say this kind of took off in the nineties, and then I. I had written a couple of books on the cars, which have been bestsellers now for over 30 years, and that aided a lot of people. The reason I wrote the books was to actually aid people in restoring their cars. Right. But there's just so many of these Z28s or 396 Chevelles or Copos or Yankos that you, people are still finding in, a, in the woodwork. Right. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. So the hobby is just so alive and well, and I see it every year. You know, working at Barrett Jackson, I've been employed with them now for 11 years. But you know, some of the the cars that they bring out there, it's just amazing. I mean, I'm living the dream just seeing this <laughs> stuff at 71 years old. <laughs> Join the club. I feel the same way here. Every day, I just new cars show up, and it's like they're mine, but they're not. I don't have to pay for them, and I don't have to feed them, and I don't have to do any of that stuff. But you know, it's interesting about numbers matching and all that, and that's you know that gets tossed around a lot in this hobby. And the problem is, is that some of it's untoward. Some people are trying to pull a fake on somebody but a lot of guys if you drill down the guy will say oh i have a numbers matching xyz or whatever and you'll say and when you finally realize the reason that they think it's that is because the guy they bought it from told them that and the guy they bought it from was told that by the guy he bought it from and so it's not that they're trying to to be you know manipulative they just don't know any better they don't know what the numbers mean or how to look or how to find it now we we have this discussion all the time and what i can tell uh, your audience is that if it says matching numbers on a car card at Barrett Jackson, that means it has to be the original drivetrain. Sure. Now, th- this term has been beat to death over the past 30 years. I guess it started in the Corvette hobby. Right. And I think originally the, the, the whole concept was if it was listed as matching numbers, it was the original engine transmission and rear axle. Now, different auction houses or different shows that are done, they don't you know, go by those guidelines for whatever reason, and I don't know why that is, but uh, it's just the term's been beat to death for so many years. When I'm out doing inspections for clients, I just say, is this the original drivetrain to the car or not? That just cuts through all the bull. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and when you go out and inspect these cars, I mean, I have a copy of one of your appraisal sheets here. It's pretty darn thorough. I mean, you can tell all the way down to, you know, parts that may or may not be aftermarket, whether it's an, you know, an alternator or generator or a, or a, um, a fuse or, I mean, the carburetors, obviously the intake, everything has got some kind of tracking on it, correct? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, we, uh, I, I guess, w- when you're looking at all these parts, like when I'm doing it for, uh, like this week, I was down in Southern Maryland. I did two Z28s and an LS6 Chevelle for a, a local client. And what we're doing is verifying that the build sheet is real for the LS6, that the engine is real, and that the rear axle was real. In the case of this car, the transmission was a replacement, but that's normal. I mean, sure. those cars were beat up, man. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. you know, paperwork, uh, is critical. And when you have the original engine, that's actually, you know, a 33% deduction if you don't. So that's a big deal. Sure. And I tell people all the time, if you're going to invest in a Z28 or a Chevelle or a Nova SS, what you want to do is try and find one, be patient with the original motor. Right. Transmission and, and rear 
axle, not so much. But the engine is everything. That's the heart of the car. Absolutely. No no question about it. And I think that people are becoming more and more educated about it and, and how this works and, and that it is important. Um, and then, of course, you've got guys who take cars that uh, the original motor's long gone and they make a resto mod out of it. And we see that a lot in this hobby, and especially at Barrett. Uh, we're seeing a lot of the resto mods. What's your take on resto mods, Jerry? Well, the rest of mods, that's, that's what makes this hobby so cool because there are the people like myself. Every time I get in one of my cars, it's like driving that car that I bought new off the showroom floor. It's that new car experience. But then you got a lot of people, I guess, uh, later in life, you know, it's, they prefer to have all the luxuries and, you know, air conditioning and a good sound system in, you know, a vintage type vehicle. Sure. So, uh, that's, I mean, it's just something, it's just another part of the hobby that, uh, that people are really attracted to now. I, I do know from working with clients at Barrett Jackson, building one of those restaurants, it's not cheap. <laughs> it's <laughs> absolutely not. It's the staggering. I mean, to see the $700,000 Corvette, uh, 67 Corvette sell, uh, was just unbelievable. When we return, we got to take a quick break. When we return, we'll continue more with, uh, Jeremy Nish, our special guest today, and we'll be back with the Classic Automall podcast in just a minute. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888 4783 or visit jctaylor.com/awr drive through time with peace of mind jc taylor it's a museum it's a showroom it's an experience the classic auto mall in morgantown pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare custom and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment from the earliest production cars to modern exotics Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studios in beautiful, rainy, overcast, cloudy downtown morgantown pennsylvania although people are flowing through the doors of course they're soaking wet so <laughs> they're literally flowing through but we have door. a red carpet entry so people can flow in and dry, and dry off. off as they hit the red <laughs> carpet and go on our special guest today coming up to us from uh, i believe your home in maryland right is that where you are yeah, Jerry? eldersburg maryland eldersburg maryland good to have you so you got to be – I guess the one thing of, with with the hobby and, and in your position has got to be being the bearer of bad news sometimes. And, boy, that can't be a fun part of the gig, right? you got to tell a guy that well, – it, It's it's very difficult to do. Uh, I, know, I remember we had a car we judged in Legends about two years ago, and uh, the transmission was not authentic. It was restamped. And because I am considered the master of all the stampings and everything, because I have a database of over 30,000 photographs, right. uh, I, I do what's called, you know, the forensics or data analysis to evaluate this. And then when you got to tell the, you know, the customer, uh, or the, you know, the uh, participant in the right. show, uh, well, the transmission is an original, so that's going to be a hit. Now, right. sometimes 
they'll complain about it, and and sometimes uh, they say, okay, well, just you know, d- we'll do the best you can for sure, it. And that's, sure, that's what we typically do. Now, it, sometimes it gets pretty ugly working at Barrett Jackson because we get <laughs> right. these consigners, and they say every every LS six that comes in there is a matching numbers car. Well, they were all raced at the drag strip. So anyway, I mean, probably one one quarter of them, you know, are authentic and have sure. original drivetrains. But sometimes we get the people. Uh, you know, at the auction, they say, well, this is the original engine. I said, well, we have the power here. If uh, you're not going to change the car card, you have to pull the car from the auction. Sure. So Steve Davis, who's the president, he basically gave us the power, you know, because we're trying to help everybody. We're protecting, you know, potential buyers, and we're protecting the signer because it can come back to him. Absolutely. That's what people don't realize. You know, you you had to be the bearer of bad news to us on an LS6 Chevelle when, we were in, when I was in Lock Haven. And, uh, you know, it, we, we had a good feeling. We we knew, and we were having the inspection done because we wanted to prove whether it was or it wasn't. Not that we assumed that it was or it wasn't. We pretty much kind of had a feeling that it wasn't. And, you know, it was interesting, some of the things that, that I learned from that inspection process, and just uh, that's pretty fascinating about it. I mean, I was looking through this report. It just floors me that says uh, uh, service replacement horn relay and voltage regulator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is quite thorough. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just from being around these cars for 53 years. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, you know, it's it's funny because, gosh, you think about the Camaro was introduced in 1967, which was 57, 6, 7 years ago when it was introduced. Yep. That's hard to believe. And, you know, uh, to see the ones that come here to the Camaro Nationals, I saw I don't know, uh, second gen, uh, at least three SS396 uh, second gen Camaros that you just don't see very often. No. That's just a a really amazing car. And and I guess uh, the other thing that was interesting to me is if you look through old brochures from 1968 and 69 when they were introducing uh, uh, the the, uh, Z28 for the the third year, um, there's not much mention about the 302 motor. So it mentions all the other motors, but in the even in the factory literature, it doesn't. Is there a reason it doesn't say about the DZ302? Well, I, I think the the big issue back then, with, with me having bought a car back then out of high school, um, the the three hundred two was rated at two hundred and ninety horsepower, and the reason the reason they did that is because of insurance. The, the magic number back then was three hundred horsepower. If you had a car that was less than three hundred horsepower, they weren't going to you know sock it to you as far as your annual cost for to insure the car. Sure. And, you know, in my case, I had to put my car in my dad's name because you couldn't afford the insurance as an 18 or 19 year old. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, all part of the, uh, you know, the equation here. So. Sure. And, you know, I think one thing that people don't realize is the difference between what you do and say, for example, and this is not disparaging to them, a Marty Reporter PHS documentation. What people don't realize is a Marty Report only reports what was on the car and same with PHS documentation, not what is on the car now. And a lot of guys get confused by that. Yes, and uh, I got uh, had the privilege of working with Kevin Marty for several years. He's left Barrett Jackson since then, but he was brought on in the original staff of automotive specialists. But um, Kevin is a hands-on guy, and I, I always tell people that that what he'll do is we we have a, a dedicated lift for us to work on, and he'll be back there if there's something not right. He'll have that car in the inspection tent, and he'll be looking at numbers and you know the verification. But uh, the real 
bonus for him is he has all that documentation from Ford. Sure. But he is able to take it to the an extra step just to make sure that you're not getting a restamp this or something that's fake or rebodied. That's it. Sure. He's very, very dedicated and knowledgeable like that. Sure, absolutely. And and looking at an engine number on a Ford product is much more difficult than on a GM product. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And some of them, even uh, Dave Wise, who I work with out at Barrett, uh, he does all the Mopars. And I, you know, he, he shows us some of the things that they have to look for and all that. And I just shake my head. It's a <laughs> Chevrolet was and for us was was pretty smart the way they did stuff. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I, I we we see all these these people claiming different things and different things with different cars, but it's obviously more prevalent on the more expensive stuff. That makes a lot of sense that if people were trying to, uh, you know, to fake something and, and make something that it isn't. And I applaud Barrett Jackson and some of the other auction houses of doing their due diligence. I mean, you could just say, hey, look, it's as is, where is, and whatever it is, it is, and it's on you to find out. And that, that they go the extra step tells you a lot about the, the integrity of the company. Oh, absolutely. And, and I know that Craig Jackson has had minimal issues with lawsuits now since they brought us on 11 years ago. Sure. I mean, that, that part of the, the, the ugly part of the business has gone away there. And what's amazing, we talk about this all the time, all, all of the people that are selling bogus cars or the crooks, as we call them, they don't take their cars to Barrett anymore because <laughs> they know the police are there. Exactly. You got the Camaro cops. <laughs> exactly. We, we had a cool incident, though. Uh, I guess it was two years ago we had a uh, car that was judged at the Camaro uh, in legend certification. And uh, it uh, it was brought to Barrett Jackson to sell in January, Scottsdale, a year ago. The car set a world record. It was a '69 Z28, one of twenty thousand. It sold for two hundred ninety thousand dollars. Wow! You know, wow. because that legend certification. What we do mm-hmm. at your facility can make the difference on a huge number in selling. Absolutely. I mean, to see. I mean, who would have ever thought you'd see? 69 Camaro bring that kind of money. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's insane. You know. And then, of course, if you take it even one step further to the ZL1s and all that, which are in a whole different, not even in the same category to me. There's there's Camaros and then there's the ZL1s and everything else right. is over here. <laughs> you know, it's um, uh, because those things get into such, I mean, those can bring, what, a million bucks? I mean, or, they can, and it's so hard to find one that doesn't have a lot of skeletons in the closet. Sure. So I work with a couple of other guys, uh, you know, on that whenever I'm doing an inspection for one. But uh, the honest ZL ones, I mean, there's not – they only made, built 69, right. but – uh, we sold one that was a pretty honest car three years ago, $1.1 million. And, wow. uh, I mean, even the rebodies, uh, Stuart, they're going for anywhere between four to 500,000. Isn't that which crazy? Is, yeah. Which is crazy. But, you know, they were dedicated race cars for NHRA and, uh, yeah, the, um, I guess it was the AHRA at the time yeah, too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why they built them. So that, I mean, the first thing they did is they put them on the racetrack. Yeah. And you know, a lot of those guys, the Don Yankos, the Baldwin motions, all these specialty cars that were built. I mean, are they tougher to judge than, than a, than a stock car? Is it tougher to know what's right and wrong on those? Well, we very rarely get something like a Baldwin motion because basically Baldwin was, was a speed shop that installed 
parts right. or, or an engine. Right. Now, I looked at one car up in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, about 20 years ago, and it was a uh, Daytona Yellow. It was a 396 Camaro that Motion did all this work, and it had all the paperwork. In a case of something like that, whether it's a motion car or a Nikki car, it makes all the difference in the world to the value sure. uh, just by having that paperwork. Uh, the Yankos are a little bit more, they have their own universe now because uh, Warren Darnashek, who's a good friend of mine, he has a lot of the original paperwork. He worked in the hot rod shop where they did the conversions and, right. and did all the work t- to build these before delivery. And uh, he has a lot of the paperwork. And, you know, we've seen these Yankos. We sold one a couple of years ago for $600,000. Right. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's, so, it's insane money. But, you know, when a guy who comes of age, i.e. financially, uh, and, and wants the car he wants from his childhood or, you know, the car he couldn't have when he was a kid, Money doesn't become an object at that point in time, right? I mean, it's... No, no. And and we always get the question, it says, well, why did that Z28 or that that SS396 go for such money, so much money? I just say, well, two people wanted it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people say all the time, well, what's my car worth? And the price guide says that it's worth 60000 I go, okay, go to any auction and they'll put the estimate of 60000 and the car brings one eighty. Yeah. How do you, 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 how do you explain it? You can't explain it. It's just yeah, part it's of the crazy. hobby. And, and, you know, pricing is all subjective. Listen, I have guys who walk into my place who just point to a car and say, I'll take that one. And, uh, we love guys like that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> makes our day. Uh, but, it, but it's because, you know, the guy, listen, I talk to people who buy late model, like a new Shelby GT500 and they'll pay 40 grand over sticker. And you say, why would you do that? And the response is, look, I've been looking for one. Every time I find one, it's gone. I wasn't going to screw around, and I wasn't going to miss this one, and I'm just my one-and-done car, so I don't care what I pay. Money is not the object. Getting what I want is. Exactly. Exactly. So do you get into much restoration yourself? Do you do that, or is well, that... I started my company 25 years ago uh, full-time. Uh, people knew me in the industry because of my books. That actually helped, you know, jumpstart me into the business. And we, we restored several cars. We had some best of shows. We, we've done, done quite a few. But then when the, uh, I guess, uh, on-site inspections became such a big deal, uh, that became like 75% of the work. We still do engine rebuilds. And we still do component restoration. Thankfully, one of the guys at Hendrick Motorsports, he does a lot of our machine work for engine rebuilds now. Mm-hmm. And we also work with, uh, uh, who is it? I'm trying to think of his name. The, uh, gentleman who worked for Hendrick's, uh, he, he was killed in a plane crash. Oh yeah. Flying into Martinsville. Well, his older brother, Keith Dorton is his yep. name. Uh, he works with us too. So we got two of the best engine people in the country doing our stock rebuild so we never have a shortage of that and i still enjoy doing that sure because you want a dynamometer we break them in we give them back to the customer they're happy i'm happy and you know they get they get a good uh, quality product back when we're done they don't have to worry about us decking the block and taking the numbers off that's a real serious issue with a lot of machine shops absolutely they do that a lot and 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 a a problem the other problem we run into is with the states uh exempting mileage on a low mileage car and that's always frustrating when you got a low mileage 1500 15,000 original miles in the state exempt and of course of course you know talking about uh mr hendrick's place boy that's a special place to visit isn't it (laughs) Oh, it, it is. And I got to, I got to meet him when I went to work for Barrett because he had mistakenly bought a bogus 
uh, LS6 convertible for a quarter million dollars. Sure. And, uh, his assistant came over and they asked me about the car. And then anyway, it all got worked out. So we, we went down there and, uh, did the inspection and we, uh, went back to, uh, my office. I wrote the report and, uh, uh, Barrett unwound the deal for Mr. Hendrick, right. which is the right thing to do, and then they resold the car as a recreation. Sure. So everyone was happy. So ever since that time, uh, Mr. Hendrick has taken me under his wing. He sponsors my race car. Nice. Uh, we also go down there twice a year to do inspections because they have a vintage car business that they operate out of Charlotte also. Sure, absolutely. You got time to, to join us for our last segment of the show? If you're not too busy, we'd yeah. love to have you yeah, on a little I'm bit good. more. All right, we haven't yeah. talked enough about everything. Anyway, when we return, we'll be We'll return with Jerry McNeish on the uh, Classic Automall Podcast. We'll see you in a minute. It's a museum. It's a showroom. It's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in now non-reigning Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Hey, if you haven't been to our website, ClassicAutoMall.com, and if you have a question for us, you can call it's Steve S. <laughs> at podcast at ClassicAutoMall.com. And uh, don't forget, we've got an auction coming up uh, uh, Octo- or October, September the 15th. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I got Grant. I didn't get any sleep last night, okay? Got grandkids and they're wild and they woke up at 4.30 this morning. So anyway, joining us from Maryland is Jerry McNeish on the uh, Zoom call with us. And Jerry, we've been talking about uh, Camaros and all that you do with that. You're also Chevelle and a Nova guy, right? Yeah, my first new car was an SS396 Chevelle. When I went to look at cars back then, I'd take my father with me. And when he saw the Z28 with the stripes and all that, he says, you're not getting one of those. <laughs> so of basically... Uh, I wound up with a Chevelle and I, you know, campaigned that. I drove it to work every day. And my father said, you know, if you break that car, you own it, you know. It's a, <laughs> right. That's just the, the way it was back then. Sure. Absolutely. I, same thing. My dad wouldn't, I, I wanted the, the bigger engine Trans Am and I got the 400 instead of the 455. And, you know, cause dad was, same thing. I think insurance in back in, when I got that car in 77, I think insurance, when everything else would have been $200 a year and it was a hundred dollars a month for me to yeah. insure that it's car. Crazy. And it was crazy. And I went through Automatic transmissions like nobody's business. The guy at Double A MCO loved me. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, coming up uh, July thirteenth to the fifteenth, we've got the Camaro Nationals here. Carl was telling Carl Sheffy, who runs the event for you guys, tells me you're expecting six to seven hundred Camaros on our property in in the middle of July. Wow. Oh yeah, uh, I mean when when I saw some of the aerial shots last year from the show, it just blew me away. I mean that's like the biggest promo poster for the event. And I think this year, you know, weather permitting, I think it's going to break all records. We were already over. 
booked on all the cars coming in. I mean, sure. we've had more registrations than we've ever had. Wow. And of course, then you'll have lots of spectators and we got, you know, lots going on and then we're open here and people can see not only, think about it, it during that weekend, 700 Camaros, 950 cars in classic automobile, 150 barn finds in classic automobile. Somebody do the math for me. That's like 1700 cars on property. And, for us, I mean, think about it. Go buy a general admission ticket at almost any auction or any event. They're not cheap. And you get yeah. to see all this for free. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, but, but you better, you know, you better be mobile and ready to walk. Oh, absolutely. It was so great. I mean, all the cars inside last year, then you went outside and it was just a sea of Camaros all over the place. Yeah, it really was. And I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, and of course, it puts a big responsibility on your all shoulders, uh, because you are the experts and, you know, obviously people aren't perfect and mistakes get making, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not nothing to be known as the guy and McNeese certified absolutely means more value to a car. How do you feel about that? Is that something that was a well, interesting it, byproduct? It's, it's, it's a humbling experience, but I just, you know, credit that to the, to my love of the vehicles, but, I also have to remember, and we have to remember that, uh, you know, when we put this team together years ago, this was the, with Donna Crispino with the International Camaro Club, and you know, she came to me and she says, Jerry, we got to put together the best team that we can as far as judges. And at that time, we had Bob Harris from Camaro Specialties. I picked Larry Christensen from Camaro's Plus, Brad McAdam, uh, and myself. And we were like the main gurus. Now, we've added to that. Now we have uh, John Pollock. We have uh, also Mike Slaughter and uh, Dale Murphy added to the team because we have so much work to do sure. now. But the nucleus of the of the really in-depth worker bees is still a part of this team, you know, almost 30 years later, sure. which is amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's telling that, you know, we become it, – it's funny when you just do something you love and you're passionate about it and you do it well – that finally somebody recognized it. And it's always such a great feeling when you look back and you think, man, you know, I, for all these years, I struggled to do this, this, and this, and nobody really knew who you were. And now, you know, you can't go anywhere in a car related. I'm sure you walk into anywhere and they go, Oh, well, we know who you are, you know? Well, yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's both good and bad, but I mean, sure. I, I just, uh, I mean, when we work at Barrett Jackson, like Scottsdale, we can have anywhere between 150 to 250 cars we have to inspect before they go across the block. Wow. So that, uh, having been employed with them, that really kind of opened the floodgates for my inspection work. I was doing them 25 years ago, but now with all the fraud and trickery in the hobby, it's like people, uh, and I don't even, I don't even really know the whole, uh, you know, how it happened. Be- sure. I had to hire one of my high school buddies, Norm Mead. He manages my company now just to set up the appointments and all that. It, it keeps me off the phone and all. But, sure. I mean, I'm just, I just feel so blessed to be a part of the hobby. I mean, it's something I've, uh, you know, been in love with since I was 16 years old. So it's basically, uh, you know, it's just who I am. And, uh, you know, just helping people make their cars the best they can be is just, what it's all about. I mean, that's that's why I wrote my books. I just wanted to help all the enthusiasts so they had a pleasant experience. Sure, absolutely. And uh, of course, there, this is this event is coming up July the 13th through the 15th here. Uh, the 24th annual CamaroNationals.org is the website if you want any more information about it because there's a lot there's a lot to take in on it. You know, there, you get on that website and there's you all wrote a whole judging book on Camaros, right? I mean, there's a whole book that's written on that, right? 
Oh yeah, we just finished the judging manuals. Uh, we have 67 through 9 now, and uh, they're very in-depth. Lots of good color photos in there, and it's going to help anyone restoring a car. Sure. I mean, that's uh, such a big help. The biggest problem we got now, Stuart, is uh, can't find good quality shops, enough of them, to actually do the cars properly. I mean, there's maybe three or four places I could tell someone to go, but they've got, like you were talking before, about, you know, one, two-year waits exactly. just to get in. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And you're, and you're leery of the guy who can get you in tomorrow. <laughs> because... Oh, I know. And, and then you got the, you got the bad shops too, because sure. I have some personal friends that have taken their cars to some shops and the, the car has just been sitting for four or five, six years, which, yeah. uh, the, the, you just, I tell anyone, you just get your car out of there. Yeah. You, you have what, to. Yeah. Whatever it takes, get it out. There's no, there's no trying to salvage anything at that point in time, except to get your car back. Right. It's always good is to get references uh, from people who have had cars restored by whoever you're going to choose. But that's a it's a very, very important part of restoring cars. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's uh, all different things that we bandy about, about Camaros and all that. COPO is one thing that comes up for those that don't really know what that means. What does COPO stand for and what does it really mean? Central Office Production Order. Right. Which means it was dealt with internally uh through a little a different department in uh within GM right and actually uh Jim Madison who manages PHS he was actually involved with the copa ordering department when he worked for GM I'm going to say back in the late 60s right so and it was kind of an interesting deal because I mean uh copa could mean a fleet of taxi cabs. It could mean a ZL1 Camaro. It could mean, you know, a Copo iron block Camaro too. So there were right. many, many designations for that, uh, uh, name in, in the industry. So, and now it's just so overused. I mean, back when I was a kid and when I got into racing, they never called them Copo cars. They just called them four and a quarter Camaros, <laughs> 425 horsepower Camaro. That's sure. basically what they were. But, uh, now everything's so technically correct, uh, with all the articles and magazines that, you know, cover these things every year. So. Yeah, I mean, but, a lot of experts out there that, that, you know, think that they know something that they don't. And that's unfortunate. And, you know, I, you hear it from time to time. I'm on the floor here at our place and you'll hear a guy talking to a guy about something and he's incorrect. And, you, you know, you, you, you want to correct him because you want him, to, you don't want to perpetuate the bad information, but then you don't want to be the guy who's always correcting everybody. You know, my wife gives me that look like, if you tell me one more time how to pronounce a word, I'm going to slap you right <laughs> outside the head. You know? So you have to be careful. Of that, you know, you don't want to be the know-it-all. You just want to make sure that, you know, listen, we're all just stewards of these cars anyway. They're going to go to somebody else someday anyway, That's right? Correct. You know, people yeah. don't don't always realize that. What's the uh, what's the one that that got away from you that you saw that you should have bought and you 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 kick yourself for? Well, uh, me and my buddy Norm, who I work with, uh, there was a gentleman. I mean, uh, all, the, the cars that I own, I, I'm I'm very happy with. Uh, it's just who I am because I'm a Z28 guy. But uh, there was a guy who restored uh, the Bill Jenkins '66 Chevy 2 A stock Nova, which was one of the killer cars right. uh, in the Pennsylvania area back then. And it was at the Mohegan Sun auction. And Norm keeps beating me up because. 
Uh, we should have bought that car. It went for like twenty some thousand dollars, oh. and we would have just to bring it to cruise night. Can you imagine bringing in a completely restored Bill Jenkins Chevy Two Nova recreation? Unbelievable! And uh, the guy when he sold it, I remember we were talking to him, and he had over seventy thousand dollars invested. Wow. But that's the risk you take when you go to a no, you know, uh, you, where you can't have a reserve. Sure, so. absolutely. You never know. Something could go ten times what you wanted for it, and something could go for half. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. But the good news is, on the overall average, I think you pretty much can guarantee that if you've got the right car uh, at a no-reserve auction, it's going to do better than you anticipated usually. Oh, yeah, especially now with – with Barrett Jackson having a good reputation for everything that they sell. Sure. And anything that's listed as matching numbers is going to be a pedigree car that has been vetted by the automotive specialist. Absolutely. And I see my, uh, my good buddy Mike McCullough is now VP of uh, consignments out there. And I've known Mike for yep. years and he's been a big muscle car guy for everything. I, I'm going to have him try to have him on the show before too long because, uh, really like Mike. What a good guy in the hobby. Yep, he's uh he's we work with him at every event and uh it's it's just been a great experience. He's been an asset to the to the company and uh you know, I still uh still uh, you know getting the job done and uh, I still love it. I'm just I'm going to keep going as long as I can. I mean, it's a dream job. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody tells me we're working there. Well, you got a hobby job. I said, well, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's just part of the, the the car culture. It absolutely is. And we certainly want to perpetuate this and we want to keep the kids involved and we want to keep the uh you know, the hobby alive and we want to make sure that there's petroleum for, you know, the foreseeable future and and all of those good things because, you know, and the Camaro's going away. I mean, of course, I, you know, I haven't been as big a fan of the, the last generation of Camaros as I was of any of the others. Uh, even yeah. the 90s cars I, I like better than I like the newer ones, but that's just me. You know, I, yeah. we all have our personal preference. And, of course, you know, it's it's funny that uh, everybody has a theory on the name Camaro and where it came from. And one of them was French word for camaraderie. Other was a small, vicious animal that eats Mustangs. And others say it means... <laughs> Others say it just means nothing. It was just a word they came up with. Yep. They're in a meeting one day, all the suits, and they just said, okay, that's going to be it. That sounds good. <laughs> you know, it's hard to name things sometimes, you know. And, of course, Chevrolet oh, yeah. was trying to follow the C characters for all the names of their vehicles. So Chevelle and and uh, Camaro and Caprice and yeah, on and on and on. The only thing they did was the Vega. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that proved to be a disaster, <laughs> right? Although a Cosworth Vega is still kind of a fun car, right? You know, it's – Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a good little go to it. I, too bad. Cosworth Vegas could have been the epitome of the muscle car had they gone the direction that they were originally planning on going. But, you know, the corporate bean counters got in the way and uh, no different than the SVO Mustang. So you don't see them. You don't see them much at all. I think I've seen me one or two. Yeah. yeah, uh, Brought to auction. Very rare. Very rare and very and and still desirable. You know, there's rare and desirable just because I had a guy guy tell me, he goes, I've got a very rare car and I'm going to bring it to you. And I said, what is it? He goes, it's 85 bucks. Mustang, one of five patented chartreuse. I go, hmm, I wonder why they only made five of those. <laughs> anyway, Jerry, such a pleasure to have you on the show. So looking forward to seeing you guys here in July. And uh, uh, just uh, keep on trucking and keep on doing what you're doing. And uh, we really appreciate it. We'll, we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks again, sir. I appreciate all you're doing for the hobby. You've just really given, you know, the whole event uh, just a, a shot in the arm to keep this thing going. I 
Can't say enough. I mean, we just appreciate all you do. Thank you so much, Jerry. When we return, it'll be next week. <laughs> Thanks for everybody for listening. We'll take care, and we'll see you next time on the Classic Auto Mall podcast. We appreciate you listening to our show, and don't forget to come visit us in person next time you're in southeastern Pennsylvania. Admission is free, and our hours are on our website, classicautomall.com. The Classic Auto Mall podcast is produced by CarSmarts Media with music by the Pat Travers Band. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.